Welcome, everybody. Um, I want to give. Uh, I want to give us enough time when once Lucas gets on to kind of go. So I want to talk about some other stuff. Um, by the way, I see that Kelly. You said you're a crim law professor. You say now we're cooking with gas. That's a good old Southern expression, right? I think it means you, you take the pot off the electric burner and you put it on the gas burner. Now you're now you're cooking with gas, right? That's the whole. So um, the first thing is, uh, a lot of people have asked me about they want to help, they want to volunteer, they want to do certain things, and uh, we've had Cassandra Casey Sanchez on Alder Talk before, and she is on the board of the downtown East LA YMCA. The YMCA in Los Angeles is actually the largest one in the country. And they service the more people, I think they're the second largest service uh, group in the city. They, serve, they feed literally thousands of people now every day, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Gene and I have been involved with the local East LA one for, for several months. Um, through our work, I met a bunch of people and I actually have just become a, uh, a board member of the Metro YMCA. Okay? But we have um, Casey Sanchez, who is at the East LAY and they're doing a toy drive and we have been pushing this. So what we had was a lot of people asked, how can I help? How can I help? And I would hear these stories of kids that would go through the holidays with no toys whatsoever. And I know that when COVID first happened, we were buying toys and food and giving them to families. And these kids just, you have no idea what it was like when they saw that they actually got toys. And so we donated money both firms, a number of firms have now joined, but now we're doing a toy drive. And for those of you that are asking, how can I help? Uh, for the cost of two Starbucks coffees, you can buy a toy. And we've made it easy. And we're gonna put in the chat, the link. Amazon allows us to create a wish list where you can log on to Amazon and there are unisex appropriate non-violent toys that you choose from, you click it. They say, where do you send it? There's a YMCA, you click that and it'll wind up on this desk and we will bring it to the YMCA. So um, Edward has put, I think the link in the chat. Literally all you do is click on it. It goes to your Amazon, all your pay information. And you can buy a toy for, I think, $4.99 up to $30, right? So no obligation, of course, but if you would like to help, we would appreciate it. Um, so that's that. And the one thing I wanted to raise before Lucas came is, is I want to see if any of y'all have felt this way. And I, I, was, um, I was down in the dumps last week. And despite the fact that year in, our firm has been settling a lot of cases and we're, you know, making money, whatever. And I analyze it, talk to a couple of people. 
talk to Gina and I realize that I'm down in the dumps because I am down on the justice system. And I wonder if y'all have ever, with no trials, with no end adjudication, I was feeling the heat. I was feeling really, really bad about our clients, about how the insurance companies just, they sit on it. Malisag, you got one of these cases right now, right? And I always, my whole career had a hammer. If people didn't treat my clients right, I could take them to court and I would hammer them. And for the first time in my career, 30 years, I don't have a hammer. I don't have a hammer. And I don't know if other people have felt that way, um, but I have, and I did. And Gina encouraged me to reach out to a contemporary trial lawyer, high-end trial lawyer. And, you know, I talked to him and he said, I feel exactly the same way, exactly. And so I don't have a solution to this, but I will tell you that I feel a lot better. And I feel a lot better because I talked about it because I put it in the open and I talked to other people. And for all of us, when we hear that other people feel exactly like we do, it does make it a little easier. Right? And so I know a lot of y'all have reached out to me and you're frustrated. You're just like, they're not offering my clients any money. They're not paying my 998. They're not doing whatever. I get it. I get it. I don't have a solution. I really don't right now. But I do know that processes like what we're doing helps us get through. But never forget that your clients are feeling it too. So I want to re-emphasize that we should redouble our efforts to reach out to our clients, to talk to them, just to see how they're doing. Many times, clients just need a phone call from their lawyer and they're okay, right? They don't know what's going on. And at least if you just touch base, text them, email them, call them and just say, is there anything that you need? How are you doing? It will make a huge difference in your client. And some of, some of them are like, yeah, stop calling me, get out of my face. But most of them will appreciate that outreach. I know I did when I reached out to my friend. And so I just wanted to say that. Okay, so um, I, Edward, if you can let me know when Lucas joins, or if Lucas is on, he can say something. I'm here. I'm here. Ah, Hello. Great. Where is that man? You set me up well. I, I don't know if I have anything else to say after that, Mike. There he is. Lucas, thank you, my man. Can everybody see him? That good looking, that good looking young white shirt right there come on <laughs> so so uh lucas we had we uh talked about some other stuff before so that we have the whole time to talk to you awesome. and i wanted to to tell you a little bit about lucas and a little bit about what led up to here you know we've talked about josh's book you know chop wood carry water everybody i think most everybody has read it i know we've talked about it on here Everybody really enjoyed it. We kind of progressed and I actually started uh, talking about when in the dark and we would um, tag, I think Josh and he recommended I talk to you. Then he, Lucas was very gracious when I, uh, we reached out and he agreed to, to come on the show. But I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lucas. I know 
and, and Lucas, please add, but um, he has worked with so many different groups, not only athletes, but I know that, that we all have gotten life advice from the things that you've written. Um, I know when in the dark is at least loosely based on your family, um, at least according to what's said in the book. Yeah, very and, <laughs> and so before you tell us a little bit about you and then I want to, but I wanted to tell you what Lucas told me he wants to accomplish. Um, here's what he said. He said, the number one thing today in my conversation is that we get real and we get vulnerable. That starts with all of you being willing to share or ask what's really on your mind. Um, a couple of things that will surely come up. When in the dark, what does it mean? Uh, what are the toughest mental challenges that we on the call are experiencing? And uh, I think some of us have filled out some of those, uh, that survey that, that Lucas has some ideas. How can we unlock ourselves from the fear of judgment and the fear of failure? Hmm, I wonder if we've ever talked about that before. And then I want everybody to feel comfortable about talking to him and asking him. And it's interesting. We all, the Dodgers won the series this year. We're all really excited. And it's just interesting. Dave Roberts, the manager, said, it's rare to find someone who can help you operate with more love, but simultaneously more wisdom. Lucas is that guy, and I'm grateful to have him in my corner. His unique ability to listen, connect, and inspire continue to help me grow as a leader and as a person. Uh, the, the first base coach for the Dodger, I want to thank Lucas uh, from Train to Be Clutch for everything he's done. He creates simple steps to help me with my goals and in the process has taught me much more than learning how to deliver my message more effectively. He helped me discover myself at a level I didn't know possible. And this process has pushed me to use my platform in a positive impact on our society. Um, just amazing thing. So Lucas, thank you very much. We really appreciate you being here. I wanted to turn the floor over to you. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, everybody that is uh, taking the time out of your busy, busy days to spend time with me. I'm coming to you from uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. So it's a little, uh, I don't know where all of you are at, but um, Definitely colder than where you are coming from, Mike. <laughs> and uh, but uh, so I, I do want to make it today just a few ground rules. Like, I don't know all of the experiences that you've had on Zoom calls. I don't want to waste your time. I would love to jump right into whatever is most on your plate. Um, and what that means at any point, if you want to interrupt me, you want to challenge me on something, bring up a question, please do so. Uh, I do get the opportunity through our processes and leadership transformation work to work with people from all venues. Because at the root of it, uh, my work is, when people ask if I have a, what's your product? I would say that my product is more freedom, is you being able to tap into a greater sense of peace, internal ease, and freedom. And when we get there in any of your contexts with whatever you care about, whether that's your family, as a parent, uh, whether that's your, your practice or your business, uh, when you operate from that place, great results happen. And so uh, 
to jump in right away, I would just like to just share a little bit about me, um, share about what I heard from your surveys, and then turn it over to for questions for what's on your mind. And so Win in the Dark uh, was the book that I authored um, with my business partner, Joshua Metcalf. Together, uh, there it is, Mike has it. Together, Joshua and I run the company Train to Be Clutch. He actually lives in San Diego. Uh, and together, I would say I do about 99% of our work now. Joshua is pretty retired. And uh, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey. The way that I got into the work of mental skills training, culture and leadership development was through a lot of suffering myself. <laughs> I think that everyone comes to me with a level of suffering that they're looking to get a little bit more ease with. And for me, that was my dark. And so when in the dark, on the surface level, it's the cliche of you have to work when nobody's watching. In a society that's obsessed with bright lights and immediate satisfaction, we have to be willing to put in the work when nobody's eyes are on us. And you all know that to get to where you are today. But at, even at a deeper level, uh, what we experience most people, why do they quit? It's not even because of the, the work commitments, but rather because of the demons internally, because of the, the fear that gets predicated upon putting in work and not seeing results as fast as we can. It's the unknown when you lay down at night wondering if you have what it takes to get through this pandemic. It is going to sleep wondering, you know, if you'll be able to continue to provide for your family at the level that you are or your employees. Um, it's that uncertainty that you don't have control over that can really be the grind. And so for me, when I was in high school, I had a mind that never stopped ticking. I don't know if any of you have ever lost nights of sleep because your mind is just rolling. And for me, that was really about a year and a half of my life where I was obsessed with past events that I couldn't quite get over. And I was also simultaneously very concerned about my future um, and trying to control things that had, hadn't even happened yet. And on the outside, I had a lot of things going well for me, athletically, academically, and I liked the reputation that I was able to portray of having it all together. But internally, it was a complete state of dis-ease, of tension, of tightness. And so finally, you know, I got, was able to get some support. Um, my parents were incredible, but um, there wasn't a lot of options. This was 15 years ago. Uh, not a lot of options for mental training. And so it still left me with medication and some very minor support, which if you don't upgrade yourself and your level of understanding, the medication that I learned is kind of like a Band-Aid. And until, if we don't upgrade ourselves, we're not going to improve. And so for me, when I, mid-college days, when I took, got sick of being on medication, um, the same challenges came back, my mind racing. And so I went all into this study of mental training and how to find more ease. And it was all about me first. How can I up myself? And when that started to change, I don't know if any of you have gone through a process where you have upped your level, maybe professionally, maybe in some different angle, and people start to notice. And they start to ask and question like, what's different about you? And so um, 
very organically, that's where I started to teach and share. I love coaching. And so I started to share mental skills that I learned for myself for other teams for free. Um, and then I also went into a, a, a teaching at the time. So I was a seventh grade middle school teacher. And if any of you have a middle schooler, you know that you are doing middle, you are doing mental training every single day. Uh, and that was my life for about four or five years. I was doing about three to 400 presentations on mental training every single year. Um, and fast forward, I met Joshua, um, had this growth myself. We partnered together and that's where I jumped into this world professionally. And then fast forward to being able to influence people at the highest levels uh, like the LA Dodgers and so forth has been my journey, but it's been first starting with myself and experiencing truly what the dark is. And so um, today I would love to start by bringing up some of the responses. I asked this group, what's the toughest mental challenge that you face uh, to be at your best? And so as I look on the screen, you know, I can, uh, I love the people that I can see your faces, people that I can't, no judgment at all. I appreciate you being here too, but I also just I love being able to see you all. And um, so, you know, I can see Deborah, I can see uh, Catherine, Jeffrey, Greg. And my question is, was what holds you back from being your best? And I wanna read some of the responses to you and ask the group, what did you hear a lot of? Um, and so here we go. What is the toughest mental challenge that holds you back from being at your best? Number one, fatigue from lack of sleep. Um, caring for my elderly parents, wondering if I will have enough during these unprecedented times to keep going forward, being surrounded by people who look, seem like they're crushing it and wondering if I will ever be that good, uh, trying to get motivated to work at home each day, being anxious about the future, self-doubt, Anxiety from the uncertainty of almost every, <clears throat> every element of life right now. Failing my clients. The personal and business toll as a result of the pandemic. Feeling like I'm not good enough as a dad, as a, as a dad, as a husband, and as a business, a person, sorry, it was professionally. <laughs> um, lack of sleep due to a baby. Uh, comparing myself consistently to others, the feeling that I'm not doing enough, my body issues. I've always had depression uh, in my life in some way, shape, or form, but this new world has brought out more of that than what I ever, ever felt like I had before. A lot of fear, doubting myself, saying no or feeling like I might let someone down to prioritize myself, self-doubt, depression, anxiety created by uncertainty, not having an outlet for my clients, for justice for my clients, judging myself when I look in the mirror, wondering if what I'm doing is good enough in all areas of my life. Okay, um, so I just want to jump right to it. Like I said, I don't want to waste anybody's time. You all were real. You were spot on. 
Uh, one thing I will say before we jump in, y'all are not broken. Um, you are not like a, a side tangent of a group. Like, wow, this group has really got something going on. Uh, this is very, very normal things that were brought to the table. So what I'm interested in is what did you hear a lot of? Um, and I know fear is one of those things. And I'm going to put somebody on the spot. If anybody's willing to speak up and share, man, you're jumping right into that courage level. Um, so give me like a wave of the hand if you're willing to speak up and I'll just bring it over to you. Um, yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Whoever is there. Then we'll go to, we'll go to Catherine. And then I saw Ray too. So, um, Whoever was speaking first, go ahead. Yeah, I heard a lot of anxiety and self-doubt. Yeah. And fear, you know. Anxiety, self-doubt, and fear, definitely. Ray, what about you? I think uh, I heard a lot about people wondering whether they're doing enough, right? Um, yeah. If they're putting in 10 hours, is that enough? 12, six, it, that constant feeling of, how am I going to get there? Is this enough? Yeah. yeah. And what do you think that enough means? Like, you know, is it enough to get where or what? I, I don't know. I think that's probably the problem, right? Is we don't, uh, I personally, I, I don't, I just look at, I want to be successful and I want to do the right thing for my clients and I, and I, and I want to make a good living for me and my family, but I don't know where that is. Right. And how much yeah. time I need to put in to get to that random point. For sure. Scary. Beautiful. Well said. Well said. Uh, Christopher, thank you all for sharing. Really, really appreciate this. Go ahead, Christopher. Thanks, Lucas. I read your book and I shared a lot of the stories with my kids. They love it too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think a lot of the answers are, you know, a different way of saying like they fear whether they're good enough, each person. And so they're all kind of connected, but we all have doubts and it really comes back to ourselves. And uh, I mean, at least I know I do. So um, that's what I feel. Beautiful. And I, I wrote that down, you know, the fear of it makes it personal. Am I good enough? Um, for sure. For sure. Um, anybody else? Anybody else? Mike, Michael, go ahead. Uh, I feel like a lot of the responses talk about uh, a concern of not being in control of things that they need to be in control of to be successful, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things from our conversation today, if you take this away and can become okay with it, is the pandemic, it, it by itself in nature, cannot cause, it's not a causatory relationship to suffering and anxiety. It is our relationship with it. And the brain and the mechanism inside of us craves control. It's a survival being. All of you internally um, have this mechanism that I label and would encourage you to label as the little person, the little, I call mine the little man. You can call yours the little fish. You can call it the little something, whatever you want to call it. But it is this mechanism based on survival that is run by the lens of fear, insecurity, self-doubt. Um, it's an awfulizer. And this is to no fault of your own. Okay, David didn't wake up this morning going, God, I can't wait for that voice to pop up saying you're not going to be okay. You're not ready for this. You don't have what it takes. Um, AJ didn't wake up going, geez, 
I don't know if today's going to work out. Do I have it? What's that client going to think of me? That voice is automation. And one of the first places that most of my clients get things wrong is by this question. And I'm going to pose it to you um, is, do you think that you are 100% in control of your thoughts? Okay. So all of your thoughts that happen in between these, your ears, do you view them as you are in 100% control or not? And I would like for you to give me a thumbs up if you say, yes, Lucas, I control all the thoughts that are going on in here. Or a thumbs down if it's like, no, I don't have full control over all those thoughts. And for the people that I can't see, you just, <laughs> I'll let you know. What do we see? So as you look around your screen, um, I see a, a good mix. Um, and here's what people that have put themselves here, uh, you are setting yourself up for perpetual failure. <laughs> um, perpetual failure because, and here is why, because some of the smartest scientists I know, people that study the universe to people that study the human mind will say that what is right here is almost just as, as complicated to figure out as the solar system, as the universe. So think about that. The audacity that humans have, especially in the Western world, that we control all of our thoughts. And now that mechanism inside of you, that there is nothing wrong with any of you, that you have and wake up with those feelings of, <clears throat> am I going to be okay? Um, do I have what it takes? Uh, all of those feelings, that they're the mechanism. It's not you. It's the version of a healthy human. But if you believe that you are in 100% of your, in control of your thoughts, if you believe that you are the one switching on and off those thoughts, then Mike, I'll, I'll take it to you because you gave me a thumbs up. Um, so who is in control of those thoughts? Uh, if you're in control of them, then who is to blame for the fact that you can't shut them out? Who's to blame for that, Mike? Me. Yeah. And over and over again, every day, what is the weight of that judgment when you do all of this work, all of this training, you read the pop psychology stuff that tells you if you just pray enough, if you just do enough work, then you maybe you'll, you'll figure it out. How does it feel day after day when those, those thoughts still pop up at times? Then how do you own your thoughts? if you don't say, well, I'm in control of my thoughts. So what do you control? How I react to my thoughts. There you go. And that's the beauty of it. We control the responses and you control how you talk to yourself. And this is where most of us, and I'll just look for a raise of hands. How many of you on this call are your toughest most harshest inner critic. Yeah. So the game that I get to train my people on uh, is there's two games going on always. There's the business one in front of you. There's the one that times are harder than maybe ever before. So you have to be more skilled than ever before. You have to be more innovative than ever before. Execute at a better level. That game is outside of our head. But there's also a second game. And that one's happening in between you. It's little Mike versus Mike. It is little Christopher versus Christopher. And getting really good at that game 
because all of you have the skill sets and are skilled enough to come out of this stronger than when we went into the pandemic, if you get 100% of you out there. But just like some of my baseball guys, if they go up to the plate and 50% of them is stuck judging themselves in their head, stuck fighting themselves internally, and only 50% of them gets to be present against a pitcher throwing at them 90 to 100 miles an hour, it's going to decrease their chances of success. So um, the work is, how do you become the own best coach mentally inside of yourself to release yourself of the judgment, of the harshness, and create a better space? Um, so that is my work uh, that we jump into, and that's where the freedom gets created. So I would love to turn it over um, for you all. Questions for me to go more specific, things that pop up as I bring this up. Is it Haney, Hani? I'm sorry, I'm gonna butcher it. Danny, you're fine. You actually did pretty well on that first try, so thank you. Go ahead. I'd like to thank you first uh, for being here and, and giving us your time. I'd like to thank Mike for setting this up. This is awesome. It's a great uh, way to you know and get going into the weekend. Um, just some thoughts and, and something yeah. that my mind is with respect to, you know, um, taking control of our thoughts. I, I would honestly, um, and not to be argumentative, but I, I think it's like, I think it's a fantasy to say that we have 100% control of our thoughts because there are certain times where our thoughts can be, um, a calm, cool lake. And then there's other times where they're grand rapids and we're flowing through it. And I think that what's important and the solution to that is to take a step back and watch the rapids flowing past, see the thoughts, look at the thoughts, but not absorb them so much. Because to say that we have so much control of our thoughts, like I can wake up every day and, and do mindfulness and meditation, but the encounters and the, that, I, that I have uh, with others can affect that. And that I think does come back to saying, I have control over this, but we can have control over what we say and how we receive things, but I don't think we can have control over what others say to us and how those will affect us. Yeah, that's really beautifully said. And to go further in that, what is in that grand, you know, I call them the dungeon days. When you're in your, your dungeon moments, which all of us have here, I have not met one performer that is at a high level that can tell me every day they wake up and feel great about life. There are days you wake up questioning, wondering why, um, with a pounding headache that makes it feel like you drank a lot the last night and you didn't, <laughs> but you just, it's that type of day. Um, and that little person voice to no fault of your own is just loud. It's louder telling you, you don't have what it takes, blah, 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 blah. And that voice is fueled by your own past hurts, fears, and insecurities from your, your childhood and younger days. Um, but Hanny, when you talk about the uh, Grand Rapids, you know, when you have one of those dungeon days, I'm wondering if you're willing to share with us, because it seems like you've done some work in this area. What was one of the ways that your little person voice would come after you? You know, is it you weren't enough? Is it, um, what was, what's one of those thoughts that you face on a, maybe even a daily basis that are uncomfortable? Uh, one of them, and uh, one of the more outspoken thoughts or voices is, um, yes, you are strong, but you may not be strong enough for all of what is about to come or what is coming. And, and uh, you know, I tell myself, I have a moment where I accept that, where I understand it. And I go, okay, 
you know what, I'm not feeling great today or I'm feeling down or I'm feeling unlucky or like, why is the universe treating me unlucky at this, yeah. this time? But then I, I attack it and I tell myself, well, maybe another day that unluckiness will be in my favor. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's more so like, yeah, you're a pretty strong guy, Hanny. You can, you can do a lot. You can handle a lot. And then yeah. it comes to that point where it's like, but can you handle this? Can you handle this? Can you handle this? Yeah. And I'm being grabbed and I'm being pulled because I am a, a very empathetic person and I want to help everybody. And I want to help as many people as I can. And sometimes that, sometimes that interferes with my own um, awareness and my own mental health and taking care of myself. And I have to tell myself, like, just stop, get away, go on a, go on a walk to the beach, go read a book. Um, I, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll I, I try not to make the distraction too heavy in terms of um, distracting myself from not noticing or feeling the pain or, or understanding it. Because I think that distraction is, is, is a band-aid. And sometimes you just gotta like really understand what you're going through and how you're feeling. To, to better yourself and to grow. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, so awesome, awesome points. One of the thoughts that he brought up, I'm too weak to handle this. Uh, Kelly, I saw you had a, you had a comment. Tell me about it. Uh, just the last part of, of the wanting to help, you know, everybody, as many people as you can, um, deeply empathetic and, the, I call it for me, the not enoughness. This is something I've definitely realized that exists in almost every woman. And I'm realizing more and more that many men experience this too. But, yeah. you know, as women from, from when we were literally babies, we were, everything is about, um, you know, the visualization of you. And then to some extent, the familyization of you. So there are all these social boxes you're supposed to fit in and, and, you know, that's changed a little bit over time, but for the most part, society, media, all these things, they, um, the mental distortion that that has caused to women in general has been really rough. And it's interesting to see that men feel that too. But so that's what I call the not enoughness is no matter, you know, no matter any of my uh, accomplishments, things like that, it never feels like it's enough. And then you get to some point, usually in your adult life where you wonder, so what is enough? You know, what, what, what's the line? Where, when do I know if I've crossed it? What's the threshold? And, and you keep setting these higher and higher barriers. And at some point you just realize, oh, there is no line. There is no, you know, the, the whole point of this life is to enjoy it. And it can be really, especially in times like now, it can be really hard to enjoy life when not just the things that are thrown at you, but when there's so much suffering. Yeah. And all you want to do is change it and fix it. And that's not reality either. Wow. I mean, just thank you for sharing, Kelly. And thank you for being willing to share not enoughness. Uh, and there's so many things in there. Um, most people, when they come to work with me originally, whether in our group stuff or individually, most people live under the illusion that if we just get something, whether it's enough money, um, whether it is, uh, family relationships in place. Once we become enough, then we can feel certain feelings we're after. And everybody's obsessed with this made up future that hasn't happened yet. And in their future, that's when they will finally be okay. And I don't know about you, but I've never met anybody that lives in their own future yet. And so what our work is, 
is looking at let's shortcut that process because you know the guy that i worked with a couple of weeks ago his number was 50 million dollars when he got that in the bank originally that's thoughts that's when he can go at ease some of my clients it's the first time that they might break a million dollars but if we just use money as the example i could get you all the money in the world that you wanted put it in a suitcase lock you up below your stairs and say there you go you got your money is that what you wanted but the the constriction of course is not and what people are usually after is what does the money mean to them what is the feeling that they can get from it what is the feeling they can get from a new job what is the feeling they could get from starting their own business uh, and that feeling is always a sense of of freedom and without unlocking yourself internally and understanding some of these traps that are of healthy human minds but just because it's our archaic way of operating our mind has traps that are keeping you operating out of a survival fearful mechanism without unlocking them we always stay in a perpetual place of fear and limitation so we can perfect our circumstances externally but you all know the feeling of being still locked up internally i know as well and so um, if we look at and isolating some of these things, so how do I, how do I work with that? Um, and I'll give you a very personal example. So I have uh, two children right now, and the third one is on the way. Uh, thank goodness. Anybody that has kids right now during the pandemic, especially below five, oh my goodness, um, you deserve even more hats off. But uh, so my wife and I have a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and 11 days ago, we had our appointment in our ultrasound for the halfway appointment of our baby number three. And so we've had the same doctor the whole time, and we show up for this, this ultrasound, and we're, it's a vulnerable place. And anytime you're, we're in a vulnerable place, that little person voice is going to be there because it goes hand in hand with vulnerability, uncertainty. Um, and so, we get there, we go through it. The doctor says, everything looks great. Um, I go out to celebrate. I think that's worth celebrating. And, uh, but later on that day, I'm on a work call and my wife sends me a text saying, hey, um, the doctor just called, leaving a voicemail saying that something's wrong. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been in that situation or a situation somewhat similar of that much uncertainty with something so close to you, like your kids. Um, but it's a, it's a sickly feeling. And she says, uh, when I got off the call, I call her and she said, the doctor left a voicemail saying she saw something on the images that's going to put us on edge that she doesn't want to share over the phone. And she's going to call us back in an hour. All right, now settle on this. You all like the little person voice. It's a mechanism looking through the perception of fear, insecurity, an awfulizer. If you can put in the chat, the type in the chat to everybody, you're not gonna hurt my feelings. And this has a good ending of this story for us today. So um, what do you think were some of the thoughts going through my mind in this middle of this muddled uncertainty as I'm driving home to go see my wife? Type them into the chat, um, send them to everybody if you would. I knew it was too good to be true. We're gonna lose the baby. What else? Serious complications. Yeah. Lifelong challenges. Long-term 
defects, yeah. And um, as I look at these, like if I'm, I'll just share vulnerably because I'm at a place where um, I've been doing this work for, for many, many years. And I understand that voice doesn't represent me. So I don't take it personally, but here's what that voice sounded like. This is horrible. How could my effing doctor screw this up? Does she not even care to sit right in front of us and tell us that everything's going to be okay? Only to call us later on that she missed something? Like, what? To, it, you knew you saw something on the ultrasound that wasn't right. Like, you noticed something with the feet. Like, does our baby, has there something wrong with the feet? Our baby won't be able to walk or move. You, you don't have, you don't want to take care of your baby for the rest of its life. Like, you love your kids, but like, gosh, that, that's a whole different story for a, a life story. You met those friends down the road that had a stillbirth um, just recently. That was God bringing your families together because you're going to need them to go through something similar. Like your ba the baby's not going to make it. Oh gosh, like you've been working more. Katie, that's what caused this. It was too much stress on her body. And oh, this is gonna put her over the edge. Like she can't handle this. It's going to break her. Oh gosh, uh, wait a second. Like the doctor has no clue. The radiologist was an effing idiot. Like this is totally wrong. The medical system's a money racket. They're just bringing you back for more things. But wait a sec, like if this is wrong, you're to blame and there's nothing that you can do to fix it. Now you can see, I, I played that over a few times and I'm sharing vulnerably because those were the, some of the thoughts in like the four or five minute drive just to my house. And I want you to think in that vulnerable place, was I broken? Was there something wrong with me? Because those thoughts were just running through my head at that moment. I would argue, no, I would argue no way. Um, now we get the call back. The doctor said that she thought there was something wrong with our baby's heart. Um, and she scheduled us for an appointment about, uh, she said four weeks later with the high risk doctor in our area. Um, so add on to the doubling effect of having to wait, the uncertainty that was supposed to be around Christmas. Um, now we're lucky because about three days ago, we got a call from the high risk doctor saying that we could come in early. She had an appointment. Now talk about again, spiking your little person voice or my little person voice. Do we wanna do it? No, should we go in? We decided to do it. The doctor took a look, said she had no idea what our doctor was looking at. Must've been something with the imaging because our baby was 100% fine. Uh, and I share this because the journey through that was me doing this work that I'm sharing with you all. If I would believe that I'm 100% in control of all my thoughts and something's wrong with me for having some of these irrational thoughts that are just out of fear, just because little my little man, little Lucas was scared and it's the only way it knows how to communicate is through some of those thoughts. I would have attached to them, tried to control them, which would have led to me looking up all different resources, Googling what could be wrong um, instead of embracing it. And here's the process that we teach all of our athletes, our people in business of how do you tackle these thoughts that are limiting is number one, this is a ninja skill set. And if you start to do this well today um, and really embrace it, I promise you it will give you 
more freedom um, instantly is number one, question all of your thoughts. And number one is, is that 100% true? Okay, so um, Kelly, if you're still there, would, could I come back to you? Yes. Cool, so I'm not enoughness. Like I can tell you've done a lot of deep work on this. Um, before you did the work on yourself, what, what did maybe some of those little, little Kelly, those fearful thoughts of not being enough, what did it sound like for you inside of you? Uh, in terms of the unconscious thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure it's anything different than a lot of what you've discussed. It's, you know, fear-based, um, irrational fears, fear of um, maybe not being able to rise to the occasion or uh, a, a thought that a fear might be almost disabling. Yeah, so um, just phrase it. No, you nailed it. It's no different. I'm just... Phrase it to me and how that might come from, uh, from that internal voice. Thing, it's interesting. It's hard to externalize it, but um, something along the lines of, you know, can you really do this? Or yeah. it, I think especially, I'm not trying to overgeneralize, but I think especially with women, there's a sense of there's, you don't have enough tools in the bag. Like you're constantly yeah. trying to fill your toolkit and so that thought process is, well, maybe if I do more of this, or if I learn more of this, or if I do more of these things, or this conference, or this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and you keep filling your toolkit with new tools, and it still is never enough. And you still, it's that imposter syndrome and that feeling of, well, can you really, can you really do this? Can you really yeah. rise to that occasion? Yeah. Ironically, I think it's the thing that should help us relate most to our clients, which is Ooh. nice. Ooh. And what you're just jumping to is when you become a ninja, an expert in how do you handle this little person voice, fear, when you become fear resilience inside of you, you can then extend that to your clients. Mike, when you talked about those calls to your clients, boom, my brain's going, what you're doing is you're helping them with fear and they might not even know it. People are naturally attracted to others who can help them vent the fear volcano that can help them bring some certainty among the chaos. And so, um, you know, to go back to Kelly's point of, I don't belong here. I don't have what it takes. Uh, I'm not enough. If that's the thought, the first part of this process is, is that 100% true? You can only answer yes or no. It, when you bring up, you know, is that 100% true? That I don't belong here? I don't have what it takes? Of course it's not. Um, but if we don't check our thinking, which I would argue 99% of our population doesn't have the awareness to check their thinking. And that is why you see some of the just abhorrent behavior by some people and things that they say and things that they do is because we don't check our assumptions. And most of those assumptions are out of fear, insecurity, and self-doubt. So number one, is that 100% true? In this doctor's case, for me, this is all going to be horrible. I'm going to have to take care of my child for the rest of its life. My doctor's an idiot. <laughs> Before we go too far, is that 100% true, Lucas? No. Okay, so then part two is to understand what's the type of person I become when I agree with that thought, when I believe it to be true. This is where we give away our power. 
This is where we become a victim is when we believe the limiting beliefs of our self, um, of our ego to be true. We agree that we're too old to be able to be effective anymore. We agree that we're not enough uh, for men. The data shows that the most limiting belief is that we feel like we're not strong enough, that we're too weak. For women, it's the not enough one. And especially you don't look good enough. Uh, you don't, uh, your physical appearance isn't a good enough while not having to try to get it there. <laughs> um, but number two is how do I react when I'm believing that to be true? And if you react from the place of I'm not enough, I guarantee you, you will go into desperation mode. You will go into shortness. You will be less better to be around when you go home at night because it's tension, it's tightness, all operating out of a fear for a future that hasn't even happened yet. Um, and so our work is check the thought. Is that 100% true? Okay, then two, when I agree with that thought and believe it to be true, who do I become? And the third step then is what becomes available to you when that thought no longer has control over you? What becomes available to this group when there's no way that you're not going to be okay? Like you will be okay through this. And when there is no way that you won't be okay, how do you operate as a professional? How do you treat your clients? And that's the world um, that we live in. And so the work is what th that three-step process is called. I would encourage you as you get off this call today, see in your life, where can you apply this? When have you judged somebody prematurely like we all do on our basis, thinking that they're lazy, thinking they don't care? And just check it. Is that 100% true? How do I treat these people when I allow that and agree with that to be true? Um, what becomes available to me in the absence of that? Um, so that is a process, one of the core processes, because here's what I get to see often is people come to me saying, Lucas, I'm already meditating. I'm visualizing. I'm praying. I'm doing all of these behaviors um, to try and get more freedom. But if you don't get under the surface to what the limiting beliefs are already, for lack of better words, I would say you can only get so far. And in my neck of the woods, we would call that pissing into the wind. <laughs> um, if you don't unlock those limiting beliefs that are holding you back, that's like your coding. And what we want to do is unlock you so that you can be more free and then do your meditation, then do your, your habits and behaviors. So, um, any other questions, thoughts? Well, let me, oh, sorry, go ahead, Mike. Well, no, I, I we, um, it's five minutes to 11. I, but I bet everybody here would stay for another four hours. And I don't, I, I told you it was one hour and I, I don't wanna um, to delay that, but I wanted to say, look, I've got about 25 copies of One in the Dark here at the house. And I've, I've sent everybody any book that y'all want. So if you want a copy of One in the Dark, please let us know and I, I will send it to you. But Lucas, in addition to reading your book, how do we, how do we learn more about what you're talking about? How do we interact with you? 
you tell us that before i just don't want to lose that opportunity before for sure for sure and i and for anybody that's got to jump off i appreciate your time today right away i will stick on as as long as needed um i would encourage you to use your triggers life will be your best teacher always as much as i think this work that i get to share is so powerful look into your triggers whatever wherever you are triggered in life that is your opportunity to do this work what thought is underneath the trigger? What are you afraid of that hasn't happened yet to do this work on? Um, the second one, yeah, you can check out Win in the Dark. The third one, um, we do group processes. We do uh, individual processes that I would love to uh, engage with you in. And the way that you can figure that out is just shoot me an email and I can get you um, more options there. And even if it's just to shoot me a question, I'm pretty good at getting back at email. And so I would love to uh, have a conversation with you. And I just, I truly hope, um, I only get some time with you today that you see that I'm coming from a place of love, compassion. I don't know where you are at in your life today. Just the fact that you are here, it means the most. And all that I want for you is more freedom, more ease. And I, have seen it over and over again, what happens in your business, what happens in your family, when things like that start, when you start to step into that, um, it's great growth. So thank you all for that. Lucas, can I give them the address that you use, the email address to send me an email? Absolutely. All right, done, it's in the chat. All right, so um, if it's okay, I, do, I, I promise people that you have an hour, it is something to rely on and, and I don't, please reach out. But I wanted to say this. I got texts from a ton of people that said, this is one of the most amazing things I've heard, period. And we put these on the Alder Talk YouTube channel so that we have something. It'll be on there later today. But isn't this one of the things that you guys should, should tell other people about to go on and watch this? How many people do you know that you talk to, not lawyers, but just, you know, real people that <laughs> real people that, <laughs> funny. that need this, right? That could benefit from this. How many of their kids would benefit from a parent who hears this? So uh, Edward's going to get this up probably in what, about an hour, hour and a half. Alder Talk, the YouTube channel, this will be on there. And I just got to say, Lucas, thank you so much. Good Lord. Your book was spectacular. Everybody should read it. But thank you so much for being here. This was way more than I could have ever hoped for. So thank you so much. Now, thank you all. And I really appreciate everyone that spoke up. Um, truly, you all are impressive people just to be here. Thank you for your time today. Okay, guys, thank you all. Again, we're doing this every two weeks. So not next Friday but the week before, the Friday before Christmas. And um, thank y'all. Have a good uh, weekend. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you.